0: it from my lens, Today's episode is called How Do You Feel with Casey Zavalletta. As a fitness trainer, she integrates her understanding of behavioral science with proven principles of training and nutrition to help clients learn how to make sustainable changes in their lives. She is also a host and producer of How Do You Feel podcast, which encourages listeners to dial in and make decisions about their health and fitness based on how they want to feel in their lives. So please help me welcome Casey. How are you today? Very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me on the show thank you so much for coming today and talking about your experience as a fitness educator with DTS Fitness Education Toronto. And I would love to know about your fitness and wellness journey and how you were able to combine your education, modern dance and neuroscience in your fitness career today.
1: Yeah, I would love to speak to that. I think my career path was born out of a very personal journey. So it started as my own fitness journey and being confused about where to start and what was important and what to focus on. Um, And I think that that also permeated into the way that I approached nutrition as well. I, I just, you know, I came at it way that i think a lot of people come at it and that they feel like fitness and nutrition exist to change your body in some way and i learned to associate the Mm -hmm. size of my body so essentially being as small as i could with health right and i had to realize that those two things are absolutely not one and the same so I, my journey really is defined by the fact that I had an eating disorder for a really long time and I had a very challenging and negative relationship with exercise for a long time as well. Right. And I had to do a lot of unlearning mm-hmm. about things that I was told mm-hmm. were true about fitness and nutrition to get to the place where I am now, which is using fitness and nutrition as a way to enhance my life and enhance my mental health and, you know, really just make my life better all around. So that's the very short version of kind of what my journey has been, but I'm very passionate now about teaching trainers how to talk to their clients about fitness and nutrition in a way that is going to help them make sustainable change in their life. Because right. it's not about an all or nothing yeah. principle, right. Quality, right? Yeah. So, so that's kind of where where I'm at now. That's the the short version of it, anyway.
0: Right. No, that's that's really. And how did you overcome your eating disorder and your mental well being?
1: It was quite a process. Okay. It's interesting the way that we speak about eating disorders that we say I had an eating disorder, and then I didn't have an eating disorder. Well, That's not that. really how healing happens. It happens slowly, incrementally over time. So I think it was a a series of mindset shifts, a series of actions that I took. And, and it came from this place of, like, I kind of hit a low. I hit sort of a rock bottom in which I was, I wasn't feeling good at all. Mm-hmm. My energy was insanely low. Mm-hmm. My hormones are all out of whack.
0: Absolutely,
1: I was the smallest that I've ever been, but still lacked, lacked any confidence and still didn't feel good about myself. So I just sort of ha- hit this point where I was like, all of this stuff that I'm doing and exercising incessantly and being so restrictive with what I'm eating, it's not making me feel very good. Like I'm not happy and I'm not in a satisfied place. So what's going wrong here. And then I think from there, it was just a journey of discovery. I had to to slowly figure out how I was approaching those things, like how I was approaching those things in a way that wasn't serving me. And I had to learn how could those things serve me better.
0: Also, you studied modern dance and neuroscience. Now, as a trainer, how did you integrate your understanding of behavioral science with proven principles with training and nutrition?
1: That's a really interesting question. I mean, I think dance translates well into what I do now because it just gave me a reverence for movement. Mm -hmm. I love movement. I love moving. I love looking at movement, breaking down movement and teaching movement. And I think it all came from my dancing background. Right. So that has a very close tie for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the neuroscience piece, I think I have a very like the answers in fitness and nutrition mm-hmm. that people are searching for are actually pretty simple. (laughs) When you boil things down, we overcomplicate those areas so much. Mm -hmm. The thing that's hard is the behavior change. So many of us have the knowledge. We know what to do. We know that it serves us to move and to move consistently. Mm
0: -hmm. We know
1: what kinds of food nourish us and make us feel good. Yeah. The problem happens in our brain because we know it but we can't necessarily make ourselves take those actions. So learning how to actually change our behavior to yeah. me is the root of being successful in fitness and nutrition. So I think that it, I think it ties in and affects my perspective and the way that I teach and the way that I coach both of those things.
0: Right. Okay. size nice. And you know how you talked about the whole behavioral aspect. Um, do this because from the outside, um, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that we live in a culture that teaches us to associate fitness with the need to change our body, and we also learn that having a certain size of body correlates to your health. So, absolutely, I think that it's outside factors that teach us those associations. And then we carry them, um, you know, throughout our lives. And it it relates back to my own personal journey of unlearning those associations. Mm -hmm. But I think that, I think it's a, it's a challenging thing to do. It's a challenging thing to get to that deep understanding of how is movement improving my mental health? as opposed to how am I using movement to change myself in some way, because I'm not good enough. Like those two things are so, so different in the way that you approach your workouts, the way that you approach the movement that you're doing that day. So I think, I think our society has a lot to do with it for sure. sure. And you, you see so many advertisements in regards to fitness and nutrition of,
0: Oh yeah. Speaking of of that, or we
1: (laughs) Four week beach body and all this stuff. Yeah.
0: In fact, it's 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 really cool that you just touched on that because my next question was, um, at the moment, there's so many people on social media either becoming fitness influencers, you know, um, and so on. Do you think it's important to have that qualification to be to to be a fitness trainer or a coach, or can someone with just as equivalent experience, life experiences, you know, mental health experiences and wellness um, have just as equivalent knowledge as someone who is already qualified.
1: I think that all voices are important. Right. I think that there's a space for everyone to be heard as far as what their experiences and what their journey has been. Yes. I think the problem arises when we look to those people, hear their experience, and think that that's the answer. Right. Or sometimes I think the problem potentially arises when those people say, this works for me, so you should try this too. Right. That's, everyone is on their own journey. Right. And we can't, we can't look at how someone else eats, assume that that has something to do with their health or their body decide to eat that way and think that we're going to end up with the same result. Definitely. So I think that I don't, you know, I don't, I like social media. I definitely don't look badly upon influencers, people that are trying to put their opinions out there and trying to have a voice. I think we just, as consumers have to be so careful about the assumptions that we make and assuming that something is going to work for us because it worked Right. Right.
0: Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm definitely not saying it like it's a bad thing, but, um, you know, like you said, we have to be super careful. So that brings me to my next point. When you are working with different clients, how do you come up with your meal plans? And, um, I'll add another question to that for you. Um, which aspect of nutrition would you address to someone who's trying
1: to gain weight or lose weight? Hmm. I think the answer is actually similar to both questions. (laughs) I think it all depends on what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. So I would never give some sort of generic meal plan to everybody because the thing about both fitness and nutrition and habit change, all of this stuff, when it comes to health and wellness, the thing is you have to be okay with wherever you are right? Accepting that Mm -hmm. and simply taking the one next step. The problem is when we look at something else that's so far ahead. So let's say that we're on step a and we look at someone else or we buy a meal plan or we buy a workout plan. That's for someone that's on step Z. Mm -hmm. If you try to do that, you just skipped steps B through Y it's not going to work for you. Right. Right you can't cheat your way to the end. So it all depends on what, what are you doing now? Mm -hmm. So with all of my clients, we take a look, we gain some awareness about what are their current eating habits. And it's not all about what are you eating? It's also about when and how are you eating? Right. But we look at that and then we decide what is that one next step that we can take And how can we be okay with that, that small step and committing to that before we add the next piece? So it's very, very individualized and person dependent.
0: Right. And very customized to Mm -hmm. every individual. Mm -hmm. Got it. You know what? I'm going to add a bit of my personal journey here. Um, I'm not going to lie. I eat a lot, but Mm -hmm. I can't seem to gain weight. And the thing is, I work out not to lose weight. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm working out to gain muscles. Um, so I'm not gonna lie. I eat so much. Like I, my boyfriend tells me all the time, you eat more than I do. And I'm the thing is, my metabolism is so fast, and it's yeah. it's it's strange. It's like is something wrong with me, or like is something <laughs> wrong with my you know? Like I'm always eating healthy and. I just don't know like Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah the thing the thing to remember is that genes do play a role right so I would be very like do you have a similar body type to other specific members in your family by chance no
0: no everybody not at all not gonna lie slightly overweight
1: (laughs) that's really interesting okay so that might come that might come down to their That might come down to their habits and that they're just not really at their their natural set point, Yes, but your genes play a role. So everyone has a window of about, like, it depends on the person, but maybe like, we'll call it a 10 pound window Mm -hmm. where based on your genetic makeup, that's where your body is going to be comfortably. Once you start, whether you're trying to go up or down, once you start trying to force your body outside of that window, it honestly takes you doing some things that probably aren't the healthiest for your body. Right. And people do it all the time, right? There are different reasons why you might do that. If you're trying to make a weight class for a sport yeah. or you're trying to get on stage or I don't know, there are reasons why people force themselves out of that zone, but nine times out of 10, your body's going to... Be the healthiest and feel the best in that zone so your zone might just be a little bit lower right than the average person and i think this is part of something that like this is part of the work i think right of like how can we accept and love our body the way it is exactly right and understand that if that is your zone then that's where you're going to feel the best. And so valuing that too, you know, Um, as opposed to just, yeah, just striving to change it, I think is the freaking hard work. Like it's so (laughs) challenging. Um, The body image work is insanely hard, but I think that's the important work to do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I know during this time, it's just, it's been a tough year for everybody and, um, what are you doing right now to stay motivated? And what advice would you give um, to people who who want to have that healthy lifestyle, who want to have that really strong mindset
1: um, and just are struggling to do so? Motivation is a very interesting thing because it comes and goes, right? Like I'm sure you've had the experience where some weeks you feel like your motivation is just at your beck and call and you're doing your running and you're eating the way you want to eat and you're getting your sleep and you're just on it. Yes. And then other weeks, (laughs) it feels like you can't get managed to go on your run and you just feel like getting takeout and you want to stay up late on your screen, not getting your sleep. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, it's interesting because we can't necessarily control when motivation will show up and when it won't like that's part of being a human is that sometimes it will be there Mm -hmm. and sometimes it won't be there. So I read this, I read a great book called um, the motivation myth by Jeff Hayden. Mm -hmm. And in that book, he talks about how we have to stop relying on motivation to be the spark Mm -hmm. of our progress and success. And instead what we need to rely on mm-hmm. is action. Because when you take an action and you actually get your butt up off the couch yes. and do the thing, that actually is inherently motivating because you prove you say you prove to yourself, Yeah, I can do this. This feels really good. I can't believe I just did my workout or you know, I just made whatever the habit is that you're working on happen. Yeah. That action spurs you the next time to say well now i want to do that again because that actually felt really good so i think i think when i think about motivation and especially in really challenging times like we're in right now i think i think about setting yourself up for early and easy wins right so what are the things that what are the small actions you can take that are going to step you forward and and are going to feel really good to do so I'll give you an example. Let's yeah. say that, let's say that you're working on walking more. Okay. okay. This is this is something that you're you're working on incorporating, or you could mm-hmm. say running more, wherever people are at, yeah. both can apply. Mm-hmm. I think it's very common for us to say, okay, well, I'm going to incorporate a 30-minute walk or run right. into my into my day four times a week. Mm-hmm. It sounds manageable, but if you're currently not doing that at all. It's yeah. actually massive commitment. That's, That's a really massive big massive. step. Yeah. So instead, could we say, I'm going to go on a two minute walk or run every day. Now that sounds ridiculously small. It yeah. sounds like nothing, yeah. but two minutes, you know, you're going to be able to do it every day. Exactly. And I guarantee that once you do that consistently for seven days, You're going to feel the motivation coming off of that small action that you took. And the next week, you can bump it up to five minutes. Exactly. And then when you accomplish that and you've got it, you've now got the ball rolling. And Mm -hmm. now you can incrementally add on a little bit more, a little bit more until you hit that 30 minutes. That was your ultimate goal. Right. So relying on small actions in the beginning, I think is crucial for finding motivation to do things.
0: Absolutely. And I think like, we also need to not depend on motivation all the time, like you said, and that's a real test, uh, to be able to force ourselves, uh, to get out of our comfort zones. Mm Yeah. Nice. And what, like in terms of, you know, the whole workout and everything, how are you, what are you doing? Especially when right now, Toronto is under a lockdown. How are you um, staying fit, motivate? Like, obviously we talked about
1: motivation, but how are you staying fit? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Well, I think that one thing that we all learned this year is that home workouts can actually (laughs) be quite effective. I think, you know what? I became a fan. I was very resistant to them in the beginning, yeah. but with a couple pieces of equipment, I've learned that I can actually bring a really effective workout right into my home. So I think that 2020, when I look back, it's sort of, that's the theme for me this year is getting kind of creative with my training and figuring out how I can take things home, you know, and, and keep myself moving. Um, for a while in Toronto here, I have had access to a gym space personally, which has been awesome and amazing. One of my former clients opened up a gym actually. And so I've had access to that space for, for a while now. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but what, man, when things are in lockdown, like, you know, I think we have to learn to embrace the home workouts and Mm -hmm. a big part of that and staying motivated with home workouts, I think Mm -hmm. is carving out the time in your schedule and booking the appointment with yourself to get your workout in. it's hard when you're just working from home and you say, well, sometime today, I'm going to do my workout. You've got to schedule it and say, this is the time. Otherwise you'll just push it, push it, push it until, you know, it's 7 PM and you don't feel like doing it. Yeah.
0: Are you like, um, are you more of a morning person
1: or? That's a great question. (laughs) I, I used to very much identify as a night owl. Yeah. But I would say over the past two years, I've shifted my schedule a lot and now I'm obsessed with morning. So I would for sure call myself a morning person now.
0: which is yeah. a huge
1: change. I agree. I, I I feel like I used to be a night out as
0: well, but I feel more active. I feel I get more energy when I do, when I get my morning workout in mm-hmm. and then get on with my day, right? Cause mm-hmm. then otherwise I'm just slogging and nothing is really, then I'm not just being productive at all. Yeah. Um, and it gives yeah. me that fuel to get my day started.
1: Yeah, for sure. We, I mean, we, we start with a full tank in the beginning of the day, right? So yeah. if, some, if it's something that's going to take effort and energy, Definitely. I think if it's your non-negotiable thing, you want to put that towards the front end of your day when you naturally have more energy to give to it. Definitely.
0: Um, another thing I really wanted to talk to you about, and I've been meaning to ask you that for a very long time, but n- this is a perfect time for me to ask you pull-up skills. How the hell have you started that? And please tell me and tell the viewers or rather the listeners, how does somebody get started with their pull-ups? Because I've been meaning to really, um, like I really want to master that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is an awesome question because again, it, it, the same ideas and concepts Mm -hmm. apply to anything else. So you want to start with wherever you are. So if you don't have a pull-up yet, yeah. And what you want to do is you want to start with a different version of the same movement. Okay. So you want to be you want to do a pull-up with banded assistance, or there are some pull-up machines in gyms that allow you to do the full body pull-up movement. Yes. So that's where you want to start. And then the most important thing is I think slowly working up your frequency. Right. So if you always do pull ups once a week, mm-hmm. your frequency might not be high enough for you to really see the progress that you want to see. So um, I'm on a I have I actually get programming from a coach because trainers need trainers too. Of course. and he worked me up to doing pull ups four times a week at one point. So my frequency got quite high reps were still not that high, right. but I was doing it multiple times a week. And I think just getting that practice in when you're trying to improve oh. a certain skill is very important. And then, you know, once I got my first pull-up, it was doing like one pull-up every minute for oh. 10 minutes.
0: Wow, okay.
1: So you get the rest in between. And if, you, and if, that's, not, if that's not accessible to you yet, it's, it's one pull-up every two minutes for 10 minutes. Right. And you, and you start there. And then maybe after doing that for a month, you'll get to one pull up every minute for 10 minutes. Then you get two every minute for 10 minutes. And it's, it's about slowly and incrementally working yourself up. But I mean, there was definitely a time where I could do zero pull ups. Yes. The other day I did eight. So it's a very cool, it's very cool to look back and think about the, months and months and months really years of work that I put into that specific thing and how Mm -hmm. far I've been able to come like that's the thing that really excites me about strength training I think
0: right yeah no I I definitely will take that advice and incorporate it in my um
1: pull-up yeah I would say if you're if you're working on getting your first pull-up yeah start doing with bands start doing them with a a band assisted and you can definitely look that up on youtube to find an example but i think that's the best place to start because it just gives you a little bit of help in but you're still able to do the motion because you have to train the motion you can't just do like rows or something and expect to get better at pull-ups you have to do the actual thing to get better at it
0: definitely yeah i mean that's something that i i used to use a ban a lot but um i guess with this new gym where i'm where we are at in Lagos in Portugal um, yeah it's 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 just hard because they don't have any of that and s- slightly more limited so I think I need to definitely find some ways to get around that <laughs> or probably yeah, order you it. Can,
1: have you tried um, have you tried negatives by chance where you jump yourself up to the top and only do the lowering down part oh that's a good one no I have not try that I can try you that That's one of my favorite ways as well, if you don't have bands. Um, That also works for anyone out there that's trying to get their first push up. also. (laughs) You can just do the lowering down part and practice that. It's it's called doing the eccentric phase of the movement and that can also lead to strength gains. So that could be a good thing to practice. Awesome,
0: I'll definitely try that um, the after tomorrow just because here in Portugal, they have some bank holiday and gyms are closed.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. So you can report back to me in a couple days. (laughs) I'll
0: report back. Yeah, (laughs) that's cool. Thanks. Um, now, in your whole fitness and nutrition journey, just personally for yourself, have you um tried different diets? Like, for example, are you even fasting? Like intermittent fasting? Um,
1: yeah, I've I've tried a lot of different things. Um, in my in my whole journey. Intermittent fasting. So I do something that's called time restricted eating. It's very, very similar in application to intermittent fasting, but it has a bit of a different intention behind it. So I find, especially for women that we have to be very careful with intermittent fasting because it can tend to jack up our hormones a little bit, especially if we're not eating all morning, right. which I find is the most common thing. Like most people that are doing intermittent fasting are eating from like 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. ish. Mm-hmm. There are lots of different protocols, but that's just the one that I see the most frequently. Right. And I find that for women over a long period of time, that can lead to some just hormonal imbalances and it, it leaves you not feeling great. Right. So what I do is I do try to eat in a ten-hour window personally, mm-hmm. um, and this concept of time-restricted eating comes from a book that's called The Circadian Code, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend that anyone that's interested in in sleep and nutrition and optimizing that check out. Yes, but that's this book. Have you read it? No, I want to now. Now that you kind of mentioned, you know what it's yeah, like. I definitely recommend it. It's so many, so much good stuff in that book. Um, but what I do is I make sure every day that I eat breakfast. I found that it's way more sustainable for me and our bodies, our bodies thrive on eating when the sun is up. So (laughs) when we wait and skip breakfast and don't eat till 12 PM or 2 PM, and then we end up eating a late dinner, it just doesn't, work quite as well as if you eat breakfast at a decent time and then try to stop eating earlier i find that it just sets you up for better sleep um, better digestion Mm -hmm. your body just generally will will feel better i find for most people Mm -hmm. obviously as i've talked about in the beginning like all of this is so individualized so i'm talking in generalities um but that's that's what i found works the best and and just for women. I've just caution women from doing intermittent fasting protocols for too long. Right. Yeah. I,
0: I definitely agree. And how about um, keto diet? What's your opinion
1: on keto diet? I think that my whole philosophy around nutrition is let's, let's build eating habits that are sustainable for life.
0: Definitely,
1: I I don't feel like a ketogenic diet, a true ketogenic diet is going to be something that's going to be sustainable for your whole life. So I just don't really believe now, um, just based on my journey and, and what I've learned about our emotional ties to eating and associations. Like, I just don't really believe in going on diets because I don't think that you're, I don't think you're teaching yourself anything that's going to stick with you. Like personally, I just want to have relationships with everything I put in my body, whether it's food, drinks, like anything, desserts, all these things. I want to have a relationship where I never feel like I have such a bad relationship that I have to cut them out. Like I'm good to have them in moderation sometimes. And I feel like fine about that. So to me, it's really about sustainable habits more than it is about diet. So if I was working with someone, I would never recommend that they go on keto. That doesn't mean keto doesn't have its place. I know that lots of people love it, but that's my personal philosophy. Definitely. Yeah, I, I
0: have to agree with you on that. And um, just coming closer towards the end, I just wanted to ask also ask you, um, Through this whole journey as a fitness educator and nutritionist, um, what like do you feel you found your purpose, and are you still in that transition of uh, finding your life purpose? Hmm.
1: I think (laughs) I've yeah. It's a good question. That's a deep one. I like it. I love it. No, no. Got you there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The deep questions are my favorites. Um. Yeah, I think I've actually, I very much, especially in the last couple months, been in the process of really nailing down what is my purpose. And I thought it was just in work that I was in, like, my career that I was trying to nail it down. But I think I've learned that it translates into who I am in everything. And kind of what I've come down to is um, I love, love, love connecting with people. Mm -hmm. But I like connecting with people in a way that makes them feel comfortable in their own skin, just as they are, Mm -hmm. and empowers them to take that next step on their personal growth journey. I think sometimes, sometimes, Mm -hmm. fitness and nutrition professionals can make people feel like they're so far away from the ideal mm-hmm. that they have so far to go and so much work to do that people start to feel uncomfortable with where yeah. they are in this current moment. You said it, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I definitely. Oh, <laughs> oh good. Sure. Sorry, I thought I thought maybe you couldn't hear me, um, but anyway. So I just feel like I love making people feel like you are good and whole mm-hmm. and beautifully human exactly where you are right now right and also let's feel empowered to take one step that brings you a little bit closer to feeling better to having better health to moving better to eating better
0: exactly absolutely and it's so amazing to see such powerful
1: difference that you're
0: making which is why i would like to ask you what impact would you like to make
1: i think i just want people to understand that fitness and nutrition can make you feel better right and you can incorporate them into your life in a way that's not about punishing yourself for something or changing yourself from who you are they can just be in your life and enhance your mental well-being right and i i think i just i just want people to understand that perspective and understand that they can lean into these things to help them to feel better
0: Definitely. Awesome. Now, this brings me to my next question. Do you think this pandemic has changed the fitness industry and how?
1: This pandemic has definitely changed the fitness industry. Yeah. It's brought it much more to an online and virtual environment. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, it's opened a lot of doors for what is possible in the online and virtual worlds. So I think that there have definitely been some positive effects. Yeah. Personally, I, my full-time job now is in fitness education, running courses for trainers. I have just a couple of coaching things that I still do on the side. I still have a couple of nutrition clients and then a couple of online clients. So I think the biggest change in coaching has been that trainers are now figuring out how to do online classes or online programs or online personal training for their clients. And we're, we're figuring out how to do it in a virtual environment. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think,
0: and with everything that's happening, how do you think most of the fitness trainers, including yourself interacting with your clients? Like, do you find it a lot more easier and or harder? Like, do you think this is something that we just need to get used to now?
1: Um, Yeah. I think trainers, businesses are just moving more to online. So instead of being able to train someone in person right now and see them for three sessions a week, Mm -hmm. instead you might be, for example, writing them an online program and sending it to them and having them send videos back to you so that you can look at them, give them feedback, give them some coaching. So I think it's just people are reworking the way that, they train others. And I think that will stay. I don't think that's going to just go away and all trainers are going to go back to being in person. I think many trainers will be under this sort of hybrid model of they've got some in-person stuff, some online stuff. They see some clients in person once a week, and then the client trains online twice a week and that kind of thing. So I think, I think it's definitely changed the scope of, or the face of the fitness industry.
0: Yeah, definitely and this is something we just need to get used to now. And this actually brings me to my last question for all the listeners listening to this podcast, what advice would you want to give them? I mean, somebody who's either already in the fitness industry or looking to get into the fitness industry.
1: You know, you just have to have a personal desire to to help people, right? And and understand like I think it works better if you've been on a personal journey in fitness and nutrition and then you can take that experience, understand the challenges that you faced and and use that to help you understand the challenges that clients are going through as well. Because that way it comes from a a genuine place.
0: now this brings us to the end. Thank you so much, Casey, for coming on From My Lens podcast. It was honestly such a pleasure to just speak to you about fitness, nutrition, and just your personal journey. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you. I really enjoyed it.